0: Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our listener of the week, Bernie Mills, who sent us a message saying he's really enjoying the podcast. Thanks for your message, mate. And now let's get to this week's pod. All right. Welcome to Ed Leaders, the podcast covering all the interesting ideas about leadership, strategy, culture and the business of K-12 education. I'm your host, Luke Kelly, and joining me each week in the chair is my co-host and colleague, Matthew Irving today's guest is Annabelle Asprey. From passionate history educator to digital education leader, Annabelle is the head of education at the ABC and has produced many outstanding online resources and shows across her time at the organization. Annabelle is a firm advocate for media literacy, having conceived and promoted Media Literacy Week. So without further ado, let's get to it. Annabelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, we always love to start with uh, the journey uh, and the journey that you went on through education into ABC. How did you come to work at the ABC?
1: I was a classroom history and literature teacher for nine years um, in Melbourne. I'm still living in Melbourne. And I got to a stage in my career of probably about seven years in that It became pretty clear to me that I didn't want to become a principal of a school (laughs) because I just think that's the most sort of amazing and demanding job (laughs) that I don't think that I would have been cut out for. And I wasn't really interested in so much um, sort of, you know, the like, you know, a year-level coordinator sort of side of things or, you know, head of department. Um, I was really interested in um, creative sort of pursuits. And the way that I did that was becoming involved with the History Teachers Association in Victoria and through um, working with some publishers, writing history books, and I found that I really enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed supporting teachers um, with the teaching of history. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So um, an opportunity did come up at the History Teachers Association where managed all the professional services for them and really enjoyed that and then I became the executive officer um, of that association and the history teachers association of Victoria was it's a really well-placed professional teaching association you know, it had staff, it had offices, we had, you know, resources to be able to deliver and support history teachers. And, and today it still continues just to be a really well-respected teaching, um, professional teaching association. Um, and I was um, at the HTAV for six or seven years uh, and an opportunity came up <laughs> um, through a mutual friend who is not even in education. Um, that there was a head of education um, role, or it was, at the time it was called head of um, digital education, um, to start up a project um, with the ABC to digitise a lot of their content for use for teachers. And anyway, I went for that job, and I got it. <laughs> and yes, I'm nearly been at the ABC for ten years in about a month's time. So and it's been a sort of whirlwind um, over that ten years.
2: <laughs> and Annabelle, what's the for you the, that that connection from that experience of the history association, everything that you learnt in that experience, and then I guess jumping into a project with the ABC, um, you know, in, in that kind of sort of digital space, was there a sort of a natural connection, um, you know, where there's a was there a, a, a space of curiosity for you? What was the, the, the connection for you?
1: Yeah, well. I don't think it's um, so much about sort of leading as much as it was, has always been a part of my life. I've always been like the early adopter of technology. Like even the other night, my husband was um, teasing me about some Nokia phone that I had, you know, at, at university. He goes, you even had a phone before me. <laughs> um but at the HTAV, when I was at the HTAV, that was really a time um, that digital technologies in education were emerging and becoming sort of part of a, a time to transform education. And I, I really wanted to make sure that teachers were not being, history teachers in particular, were not being left behind. And I wanted to give them as many sort of opportunities to see how they could use t- um, digital technologies in their history classroom or their humanities classroom. Um, to enhance or improve their teaching and uh, yeah I also wanted to dispel some of the myths I guess that history teachers didn't do technology Um, you know that it was sort of for the realm of I can't um, imagine
0: that was (laughs) a myth I don't don't know what you're talking about
1: Patches on elbows and you know (laughs) and, and books and socks and sandals but um uh, look, in, yeah, I really wanted to dispel that sort of, you know, that, it was, that digital technologies were the secret realm of, you know, maths and science teachers and, you know, history teachers and humanities teachers and English teachers
0: didn't,
1: didn't need to do it. But, um, but, but as we know, like, I mean, digital technologies are sort of part and parcel not only in the world of, of ed- education, but it's transformed the world of work. So um, I just really wanted to make sure about that. And in 2010, it's around 2010, the HTAV, in conjunction with the Department of Education in Victoria, ran a trial project in recreating um, the, actually, it's the, there's a quarantine station um, that was used um, at Point Nepean down here in, in Victoria. Um, and we recreated that space in a virtual world at the time, which was called Second Life. And you know, in, in the age of, you know, the metaverse, that that really was a project that was ahead of its time. And we worked with historians, educators, um, digital designers, and that was a project at the time. Like, it was so innovative. Like, I mean, not, you know, I don't think that many people used it, but it was an experiment to show, well, how can you use these spaces to engage learners and, you know, encourage teachers? So, um that that's sort of where the, the sort of background with the with the history and the technologies and I've always sort of been very interested in that. But it's it's sort of more of a, you know, part and parcel rather than one driving the other.
0: I guess it seems like ten years on you could still recreate that project in the metaverse now.
1: Well well yeah, it was and it was so it was so beautiful at um at the time um we use uh so there was um a, a, there was a small group of educators um in second life that's how i sort of became involved in second life and we used to talk about education and it, that it was like a meeting place it was just you know like obviously it was, it was the days before zoom or google meets or facetime and you know that that's how that idea sort of sparked there and like i mean the Joe Kay, who who sort of recreated um, all of that sort of world in Second Life, they were it was all based on like historical photographs. It was all you know, to scale. Um, it was just amazing. So yeah, I'd I really love to sort of revive those assets. I should actually you know, <laughs> I should do an article about that again about sort of ten years on about you know, this is what we did ten years ago. Um, and even you know you would of course you would do it different now because there's also so many um, more opportunities and more technologies that you can use to to improve that experience.
0: Absolutely, I guess really immersive kind of technologies these days. I mean, I was reading an article yesterday about how they now have little scent um, capsules that they can put underneath the VR headsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's individualised to where you are in the in the virtual world uh and then the person next to you can have different sense at the same time and they don't somehow cross over um yeah. and kind of recreating that 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 experience is just amazing i guess um we consider the the khan academies of the world and the and the ted series and those kind of um digital platforms as kind of the, the the pioneers of the digital learning world um you know for adults particularly um but for students as well what opportunities do you think that they you know, gave teachers and learners in terms of sharing their knowledge and and potential barriers um, that we unlocked um, through learning that they you know yeah. that they've well, done I, well maybe and 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 what have they missed?
1: Yeah, um, well, I think they think things like Khan and TED series sort of gave them a trust gave teachers or educators a trusted digital platform to deliver educational content and. Gave them the ability to access speakers and approaches that they might not have had before. And if I look at the TED series first, I also think it afforded educators to tell and share their stories and expertise, which I think it's really important for them to be able to have a platform to showcase and celebrate all of that in the community. Um, Even and you know the way that you know the the TEDx sort of you know series sort of you know sprung up in in, you know in, in a local sense. And I think teachers looked at that and said, yeah, well, I've got a story to tell and I can be able, I'm able to do that in that format. And, um, you know, we've seen and been able to celebrate many educators, um, you know, through that platform, which I think is always a great thing. Um, As for Khan, I, I think it's... Simple instructional approach and platform showed teachers that digital didn't have to be scary or untrusted, and could be packaged in a way to show that digital media was going to be an integral part of any sort of teaching program, um, and, and it's not just the platform, but the but the use of media and the use of short form um, video. But it, when you look at when you break down Khan Academy, it's, it, it's it's quite a sort of simplistic sort of you know platform. But I think that's also due to its success because it talks to teachers in you know that that's a way that they can understand how they can incorporate that into their um, everyday classroom um as for the barriers i i still think that a lot of the platforms and i include um abc education in this that um they're still pretty traditional and i don't, don't necessarily think that's the fault of platform makers but i think you need to meet ed- Educators and education to where it's at at the time. So, and and like I mean that quarantine station story is you know that was ahead of its time and it was never going to you know transform or, or move millions of people because it was just sort of such a sort of foreign idea to sort of use that space for as, as a space for learning. I think um, in these platforms, I think there's could be a lot more creativity offered um, and like there to be sort of more open-endedness to some products so that you can foster creative and critical thinking. But, of course, in order to to do that, you need to have the body of knowledge and experience um, from which to draw to unleash that creativity and critical thinking. So it's, you know, it's a pretty tricky task to do.
2: So it's like that, you know, if we look back sort of 10, 12 years, Khan Academy and the like, very much supportive of a, you know, a knowledge-based, skills-based curriculum. You know, it was, it was almost sort of a mirror image and really just putting it in, in the digital space. Um, you know, and I think what you're arguing for is, well, actually, okay, 10 years on, um, perhaps we've gone from that to how do we engage learners in a, in a digital space? Mm-hmm. How do we develop curiosity, creativity? Um, you know, digital literacy, uh, etc. And, you know, one of those words that just, you know, came up sort of 10 years ago is you know, gamification. Well, I think it was probably more about, well, how do we engage learners in experience? Mm-hmm. What's your kind of observations of, of how things have evolved that perhaps where they need to be going?
1: Yeah. So um, this is something we, uh, at ABC Education, we deal with like every year, um, you know, every week. So generally I think, educators understand the place of gamification in that it's used in products to incentivize students but i'm not so sure uh, or certain that they are on board with the gaming to learn um yeah as I, it's just a challenge we face every day and I'll, I'll give the example when we first started um abc splash which was you know it became abc education portal um we worked very closely with our colleagues at Education Services Australia, and they were able to provide us um, with a lot of interactives that had been made um, as, as part of one of, the, one of the sort of big digital learning projects that they had. But at the time they weren't referred to as games, they were <laughs> referred to as learning objects. <laughs>
2: Which, I remember that. I, just, that, I remember that, I'm thinking like 2002, 2003, and like there were whole yeah. projects and systems across Australia, it was all about learning objects.
1: Learn, learning objects, don't use a word game to for goodness sake, you know, because <laughs> that, that, it, was, it, was, um, it was sort of seen as a dirty word, like, oh, well, that's you can't have the word game and learning, you know, in, in, in the same sentence. Then sort of learning objects sort of, you know, went out a bit out of fashion and went into sort of, you know, interactives. Um, today, um, when we survey teachers and we when we do audience surveys, they say um, games like quizzes. Um, see, and I personally, from a pedagogical point of view, like, I mean, quizzes have their place, but I don't think they're the only... That's the, that's the sort of be all and end all of gamification in education. To me, I see that as an activity that has been, you know, translated. But um, but there's certainly like a desire for um, like I mean, good games um, in education. We tried, we experimented with a couple at ABC Education. Um, we worked with a really great company called Robot Circus, um, where we developed. Um, it was actually a history game um, called QED and it was based on um, Roman history. And, you know, it had the true elements of the game, like it had, had storyline, it had, you know, you had to solve a puzzle, you had to um, use your knowledge to solve that puzzle, and there was a reward at the end. Um, but those, those games, one, they're expensive to make um, and they're not, and um, the, the, the nature of the classroom, they're not always going to be used in the classroom. Like it's much easier to sort of do a quiz or do a Kahoot or um, what's the one my, my daughter described as Kahoot on steroids, Gim Kit, I think it is. Um, <laughs> And, and it, it's interesting because I, I sort of see them as a distraction, sort of with sort of bells and whistles. But like speaking with my daughter, she said, Oh, no, I think they're really great for language learning, for example. She goes, Yeah, we do get to, you know, you, you do get that sort of, you know, that, that practice of, you know, being exposed to the language. However, I have been talking to my colleagues lately. Like, I mean, I had one colleague the other day say, Oh, you know, what about gamification? You know, um, you know, getting points and, you know, those sorts of things. They're they're not from an education background. I said, you have to remember that we're dealing now with a generation of students. So, you know, my my daughter's in year 10, my, my son left, you know, school in year 12 a couple of years ago. But from kindergarten, they were always exposed to some sort of digital learning or digital learning platform. And so the idea of just doing another quiz or gaining another point It sort of, I think it wears thin, it's wearing thin more quickly than it did, say, even five years ago. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I, I think it is sort of problematic. I mean, I would certainly like to see more true games um, in in education, but um, I just don't think we're there yet. And also I think there's, like, I mean, there, there are time constraints sort of within the school day that you might not, be able to do
2: that what's interesting too is that you know we've seen um you know in schools we have multiple generations you know we've talked about that on the podcast and so you know this this idea that from pre-k to 12 you've got multiple generations These generations have grown up with smartphones gaming the whole lot and you know education we know we, we're always sort of playing catch-up you know and this idea i oh, will add points we'll incentivize this and etc um you know so like yesterday. <laughs> Um, you know, and we we lack that 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 sort of creativity of going. Okay, how do we take learning from here to there? You know, how do we create meaningful, valuable uh, experiences um, to stretch our kids um, to provide them with better learning tools? Um, it's there's almost a gap, you know, uh, in the thinking, and we're just yeah. we're in this sort of lag space.
1: Yeah, and I I, I, I I haven't seen that lag space change in the last 20 years <laughs> uh, and then I'm not being defeatist on that um like I mean I may, I'm, maybe it, it, it's caught up a bit but um yeah like I mean I think there there is always that gap and I don't think that just applies to education I see that happening in you know some other areas as well like I think law is a, is a good example of that as well like I mean I think that's an industry too that sort of lags a little bit behind in the adoption of digital technologies or like i mean obviously we can have gamification you know maybe, maybe, maybe that's a virtual courtroom could be a thing um but actually i'll just write that idea oh
2: down yeah, i might
1: sell that to the yeah homes. just quickly
2: write that one down <laughs> yeah.
1: um but um yeah I'm, yeah i just i haven't seen that gap sort of close as much as i thought it would have Like, I mean, still in, like, I mean, when we first made ABC Education or ABC Splash, you know, at at the very beginning in 2012, it was sort of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, in three years, I I think it's going to be great because everyone's going to be using these interactives. We're going to be um, doing, you know, lots of sort of online sort of experiences, like, you know, sort of like um, webinars, you know, back in 2012. Um, And what became very evident is We were still, in 2015, it was still like, how do you, you had teachers or how do you use video in the classroom, you know, or, you know, how can you do that in a meaningful way? So, um, yeah, but, you know, that that is certainly increasing and that's what we do see from the audience surveys that teachers, you know, are getting much more skilled in use um, of media.
0: I think one of the challenges is that in a schooling environment, we often think of one to 30, like one teacher, 30 kids. And it's a transmission of kind of experience or knowledge, um, or creation of experiences in that one kind of, you know, 50 square meter classroom, whatever it is. Um, but, uh, I think what Khan has done, and I think the ABC kind of plays in this same space is that it's one to thousands, one to hundreds of thousands. Um, and, you know as a schooling system i don't know that we're great at thinking that that's okay and i wonder that you know to your point of you know how do we use video in a classroom you know if you're if if you're a teacher wherever and you're trying to teach this particular subject or this particular point of the subject and you've learned it from watching someone else or reading a book or you can show the the class the best or the you know, the most experienced person in the world explaining this topic. Like, it seems like that's a natural thing for us to want to share. Like, let's hear from Mm -hmm. the best person in the world on this rather than me, who's just regurgitating knowledge. But I don't think as an education sector, we're ready just to kind of go, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe we're moving towards it, but that's okay. And I think ABC education plays more in that space of, well, we're trying to do one to a hundred thousand or one to a million. Um, and it's a very different mindset to one to 30.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think it's also about, um, you know, I think society sometimes places expectations on teachers that, yes, you will be the font of all knowledge and, you know, you will be the expert. Like, I mean, it just doesn't work in any sort of context that I think of. Like, Like, yes, I have a body of knowledge, but I'm still learning (laughs) and I still learn, you know, I want to learn from the best people. I want to listen to the best people. Um, And I think but of teachers, there there are sort of some unrealistic expectations that you will, you you, as the individual, you will be the sort of the, the end point. And so, you know, yeah, I, I hope that, you know, that media and these platforms do sort of um, make teachers feel more comfortable that, you know, they can, they, as you said, it's about sharing knowledge yeah, with their students.
2: So one of the questions, I guess, is, you know, that's quite sort of a nice segue into understanding a little bit more about what you've been doing at the ABC and a little bit more about how, we've, you know, the ABC is sort of influencing, I guess, the national, um, you know, the landscape when it comes to digital resources and the like. Can you sort of just sort of describe to me if we were to, to look at the last two, two and a half years of COVID, what's the ABC been doing nationally, um, you know, nationally, um, you know to, to support teachers, but also um, to advance, um, you know, sort of, you know, digital content and the like?
1: So, um, March, 13, um, we, uh, March 13, 2020, I think it was a Monday, was about, a, I think it was a week before Melbourne's lockdown. Um, and I said to my team, because there were quite a few cases at the time, and we, we are a digital team, and I said to them, look, let's just work from home this week. I'm not feeling very comfortable about us moving around the city. And um, it became very ev- quickly <laughs> evident when we went into lockdown that that week later, um, we were on the phone to um, education departments because it became very evident that um, a lot of school students were going to be um, learning from home. So the ABC, we really did go into overdrive um, in, in that early period in March. Um, the ABC has an education block that's, um, that runs during term from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., We extended that from 10 to 3 p.m. with um, educational programming, because we're also aware that, you know, not all schools had, you know, access to devices or people had access to, um, you know, laptops and other devices at home. So we managed to um, add, you know, an extra four hours of program each day, like during the school week to, you know, support um, teachers and to support students um, who were learning from home and also invariably, you know, the parents who were assisting them as well. And so, you know, adapting to this new world. We also um, worked with the New South Wales Department of Education and um, the Victorian Department of Education and worked with real teachers to get some um, what we called mini lessons. And they were really based around sort of direct instruction um, to explain um, um, literacy and maths concepts and they were based around the idea that I said well you know some people had an approach that oh well you know you would have school at home for six hours on, on broadcast TV and I'm like well school doesn't work like that <laughs> and also how do you expect you know your little kindergarten child <laughs> to sit there and, and watch some person for six hours, you know, to, to deliver a class or something. I I, I I thought that was a very sort of amusing. It was it actually showed that a lot of people didn't know what teachers did in the classroom. So I said, um, well, why don't we do these mini lessons and make them? Um, you know, we really don't want them longer than ten or fifteen, ten to fifteen minutes. And I wanted to use real teachers. Uh, and use their body of knowledge and their experience. And so at the end, we've got, um, I think it's just on 40 mini lessons that we produced in a very sort of quick amount of time. They were delivered by practising classroom teachers. They weren't um, professional, um, like, um, TV presenters. They didn't use, we we did it in a a sense where they weren't using uh, an auto cue. Like, I mean, it was scripted, but... It was them, you know, teaching teaching the concept in front of the camera as they would in a class. And I was just so proud of, of being able to work with these teachers who could and real practicing teachers sort of saying, well, you know, this is what is done. And I think what was shown at the end of those mini lessons to parents and to people outside of education, oh this, uh, this is teaching in action, you know, um, so um, that's, you know, one, one of the sort of biggest legacies. And then we tried to sort of also just surface as much content as possible that we thought was going to be useful for um, teachers and students while they were sort of learning at home.
0: Did you feel much pressure at the time? Um, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of coverage more broadly about the, what education was being provided by the ABC. Did you feel that personally or did the team feel that?
1: Um, it, they were just the craziest and best of times because it was, okay, we have to really sort of, you know, jump into action here. And when we look back on 2020, the, the hours and the the long days that we put in to like, I mean, there was a lot of pressure, but it was, it showcased the, the best of what our team can do. And that's one thing that I'm really proud of, you know. At that time, like I mean, it was all tools down. Okay, how are we going to actually do this? And you know, and also just trying to produce things remotely, and also um, with COVID restrictions. Like I mean, that was that was a whole new world. Um, not just for the education team, but for all the newsmakers and the content makers. You know, you were so limited in what you could do, and so that that time that also really transformed some some of my, like, news colleagues, you know, expectations of what, you know, the production cycle can look like. All of a sudden, you know, two years earlier, the idea of, Interviewing someone on Skype and putting that on broadcast TV would be unheard of because oh the quality is so bad and you know we we, we couldn't possibly you know put that on television whereas now that's that's the norm and <laughs> that is that has actually demonstrated that but it was was a lot of pressure but it was um, a great pressure that we all thrived on actually I I and I love that pressure
2: <laughs> and Annabelle you know for me you know listening to you speak. You know, that, that, that this moment in time was quite a transformational one, sort of on three fronts. One, there's, there's a piece about well, what can be done, you know, in, in a digital space and in a TV space mm-hmm. that, that hadn't been done before. Secondly, there was a real sense of, of driving equity uh, for education mm-hmm. across, um, across the country, particularly for those who weren't, you know, didn't have the access to devices, access to technology, remote online learning um, and the like. And then thirdly, that that concept of um, bringing to the nation, this is actually what teachers do, um, and this is sort of what it looks like. And and for me, you know, as, as, as I listen to you speak, you know, that's impact. You know, that's just mm. beyond, you know, let's just build another little app or let's just build something. Mm. They're actually quite big things that, um, you know, I, I guess ripples that, that, that happen uh, in and around families and homes and Know even your your TV producers like uh, going oh okay we can do things differently for me just the listener you speak those three kind of quiet transformational moments that were presented to you Mm -hmm. but perhaps you didn't think about it at the time
1: no no you didn't think about it but I think at the time one thing that we were really conscious of was okay what is the place of public service broadcasting. in the world and in Australia, and what's one of the services that it can provide, and, and it can do that. And as for the mini lessons, I, I think what's was great about that method, it, and it, it was sort of, uh, no, it wasn't unique at the time because, you know, obviously, like, I mean, there's a billion, like, people on YouTube, you know, um, sharing their knowledge. But we we packaged it in such a way that we knew that, we weren't going to get the the immediate um, immersion. It wasn't like a, a live, it wasn't like a live situation. It was, uh, you know, capturing a moment in time, introducing a concept and then encouraging the student or supporting the teacher to go then do other activities or um, other, other sort of, you know, learning sequences. You know, that was going to be one part. But as a result of that, it was really nice to see um, other departments and other schools um, use that use that that model to you know get get their own teachers you know to you know deliver in that way, and um, so I, you know I just think that is great to you know sort of see that impact as well.
0: You mentioned there um, around the responsibility of the ABC as a public service broadcaster um, and how that's traditionally been television, I guess, over, over the last, you know, 50, 60 years. Um, however, I guess over the last 20 years, you know, what we're witnessing is, you know, what we've talked about today, which is that move to digital and, and more recently, probably since the advent of iPads and iPhones, that transition of maybe what was on a website into apps. And I, and I guess I'm kind of wondering how that kind of, um, that service of digital apps and kind of learning apps sits alongside strategically around being a broadcaster and how that evolved over time and how you see that moving forward and whether there's any, I guess, whether there's a strong belief from the ABC that the two sit alongside each other or whether they sit kind of differently.
1: Yeah. um, Well, they don't – so strategically, uh, to answer the last part first – Strategically, it's um, it's an integral part of um, the overall ABC strategy that we know that te- um, traditional television broadcast audiences are declining. Um, traditional um, broadcast radio audiences, you know, listening to radio is declining, and they're moving to a digital space. So that doesn't mean that they're going to disappear altogether, um, but. Um, being able to provide platforms and services um, that serve in a digital world is is integral to the ABC strategy. Um, from an educational point of view, from, from the app development point of view, I think apps um you know that, that's not really sort of the the future um for for the abc it's about providing experiences and and products and uh, other products and platforms so that we can grow and continue to reach as many australians a, as possible um, in the education space um like i mean there were a few experimental um or no they weren't experimental apps but some apps that were made there was one um, done by the innovation division Back in around 2012 or 2013, around the, the Sydney Opera House, um, ABC Education, we actually um, experimented um, with um, the, um, room scale um, VR um, with a project called Mini Beast Heroes, um, which um, allowed you to um, look at some, um, some animals up up close, virtual animals up close, so bees and, um, you know, those sorts of things. (laughs) Um, So, but what we found is that the apps in themselves from the public broadcaster, weren't sort of being used as much as, you know, something like a Mathletics or um, like an Education Perfect or, you know, something like that. So, and I also think that's not necessarily the place of the public broadcaster to be sort of providing those experiences. I think it's the place of the public broadcaster to provide quality sort of educative materials like content that have Australian voices and Australian stories um, so that educators can use that in the classroom because there are so many other sort of digital tools that they can use. And hopefully, like, I mean, the ideal world would be for us to be able to have our content, you know, be surfaced, you know, through that, through those other platforms as well so that you know teachers you know have access universal access to that content
2: so what what's interesting about that is that you know what you're saying is well it's not your job just to come up with another app you know or just another little widget or another little product it's about how you support teachers how we support learners and so your remit you know from an abc perspective is actually much broader than just creating another little thing
1: um so I think it's it, it's the place of the public broadcaster to you know create as many sort of Australian stories um, and with Australian voices and I don't think it's really the place um, to be in the, the, the commercial space to create learning apps um, for example. we can we can do um, experiences you know that, that support learning. Um, But really, when it comes down to it, we we are content makers and we're not, um, well, we don't have a suite of other like pedagogical experts. I mean, I think we're better placed to be working with the pedagogical experts to develop platforms and products um, around that. And I don't think that's necessarily um,
0: apps. Yeah. I'm interested in um, the future of where you see uh, you know well how how ABC and ABC Education is thinking about the future of education, and you know things like Web three and you know we've talked about it a little bit earlier about the metaverse. Um, you know how do you, how are you considering those types of things in terms of your long term strategy?
1: So what I would like at the moment, um, I would really like to. Reinstate ABC Education as the sort of premier and first destination that all Australian educators, students, and parents go to when they think of "I need something for education." Um, I think it's going to be very hard to compete compete with um, YouTube, <laughs> but you know I can, we can have this lofty ambition. But there are many, like I mean, ABC Education is, is a small department and one very small part of the ABC but each of the ABC content making divisions all provide some sort of um, schools education content. So for example, over in ABC News, you've got Behind the News, which is you know much celebrated um, um, children's news um, TV program. You've got over in regional and local, you have lots of um, local um, education sort of projects or Outreach programs such as the Haywire program, which encourages um, young story uh, makers and storytellers from regional Australia um, to work with the ABC, and then we in entertainment and specialists, you've got um, which is you know the, essentially the, the the TV section of the ABC. You've got amazing sort of factual programs that come out of um, the ABC, like War on Waste, for example that has an impact and is used in schools. So one thing that I would like to do is to have a much more coordinated sort of strategy across all of those divisions and to be able to showcase all of that work in one destination so that educators can sort of see the breadth and depth of the amazing content that the
0: ABC has. And what will that look like?
1: Well, at the moment, like, I mean, we did have, Until August last year, we we had um, we had to change some platforms um, of which we were offering our education content, and that resulted in um, uh, just a temporary site. But before we're going to, we're just about to embark on you know building a, a new and better experience for teachers. But I think at the time we had pretty much nailed it in that we know that teachers wanted short form content. They know We know that they wanted to search by year level and subject. Um, we know that one of the most um, in demand things were um, more interactive material rather, um, as opposed to just video um, content. And so I would hope that um, any sort of destination that we create, that it sort of becomes very clear that where you can um, access all of that material, but also a place for parents um, to go to so that they can support um, their student. We know that parents um, are very influential, obviously, in that um, early childhood space up until about year four, and then there's a bit of a lag, a little bit of a drop off um, sort of in um parent engagement, not not all parents, Um, but, um, you know, as as students become more independent consumers of media, like, I mean, coming to ABC education is not going to be their main priority. They're obviously going to go to ABC Kids or other entertainment propositions. Um, I would also like to see a destination that fosters and champions community, educators' community more. And that is through um, having news stories like related to education, also um, showcasing and profiling educators or spotlighting, you know, educators to sort of celebrate the work that educators um, are doing, and also to be a destination where teachers can also sort of have access, like you were saying before, you know, to you know some of the best minds, you know, in education in Australia. Um, you know, to to access that, but also to be able to work in conjunction with the departments of education, because I think that's just so important because we we want to be able to meet their needs as well. And as much as possible, I want to avoid um, duplication of effort. So, um, and that only comes through um, collaboration.
2: So Adebel, you know, as you start describing the, the strategy, because that's the place you play in, um, you know, part of your responsibility is to ask the question why, part of your responsibility is that that ideation space, um, you know, and also that, that, that person that joins all the dots together sort of for everyone. Where do you um, garner your own um, motivation, you know, from? Um, what inspires you um, to do the work that you do?
1: Well, um, at, at the heart of it at the moment, and as I said, we, we're only just um, literally just starting on this um, strategy work. And I think where I garner the inspiration from at the moment is what is the purpose and what is what are the advantages of, of having a public service broadcaster and also trying to understand what educators expect, what are, what their public um, broadcaster should be providing them from an education point of view. Um, I think we're really we're in a really lucky um, position in this country to have a public service broadcaster. Um, that, you know, reports without fear or favour, and the people that are involved in the ABC are all dedicated to the cause of, of public service broadcasting, and that does motivate me um extremely especially um you know from our managing director to our director of um corporate strategy um you know these are the things that are at the first and foremost of their mind um and and that's the thing that actually sort of motivates me and excites me and also just the potential of um collaboration um we've never sort of worked you know in, in in a silo at abc education um and it sort of gives us all the opportunities to work with all of the content makers because education as, and I, I've had this experience where I talk with um, like my colleagues or peers at other media organisations, everyone says that um, education is important, <laughs> but um, you know, they, sometimes it's a little bit undervalued. So. It's about, you know, being able to spotlight that, that, yes, it is important and we are investing in it. And that, the, that investment is not necessarily just about money and funding. Um, the investment is in um, sort of the, the moral and um, the moral obligation that we have as well to provide great educational content.
0: Now, as we um, kind of come to the end of our, our chat today, we normally have a, a segment called the Quick Fire Five. However, today I'm changing it up a bit uh, and we're going to have a countdown, Matt, we're going to have a countdown of the top five ABC education programs in the history of the ABC. I'm very uh, interested into how you can uh, separate your uh, your children here. Uh, and then uh, and then I've got a terrific two after that. But, so okay. I don't know if we're going to call that seven, the, the, yeah, something okay. around seven. But anyway, we're going to have a countdown. Oh. Okay, so, uh, so Annabelle, Annabelle
1: if you could do I have to do the main order? Do I have to um you know, is it no, like no no
0: hierarchy I'll let you off the hook and putting no, an
1: order in it? No hierarchy, okay, good. Phew. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> well uh, Okay, so I'm gonna go with um behind the news. Uh, behind the news everyone, whenever um I say that I'm from ABC education, they go oh, you're behind the news. It's like, uh, yeah, that's one part. And it's actually that's behind one the news. Part. <laughs> that, 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 sits in, that sits in news and that's like headed memorable by. memorable for ben, people. And that's also headed by Ben Darcy, who's the head of Children's News, and he's like amazing. It's like, oh, and I always joke with Ben, you know, oh, everyone loves BTN. So it's like, okay, I, I do have a portal with 5,000 resources on that. So. There's that as well, <laughs> um, but BTN. Look, everybody loves it, um, and it's always one of those sort of you know, sort of embedded fondest um, fondest memories of people when they talk about um, ABC and the education. And it's been around for I think 55 years now. I think it's coming up to 54, 55. Um, I think in the last couple of years, look, war on waste really did have an impact um, in in the education space and it really sort of um, changed sort of attitudes um, around waste and around um, the environment and is certainly like one of the most loved and used programs um, on the portal. My Place, I don't know if, any, if either of you know My Place. So my place um, was um, dramatisation. <laughs> no, my place was a dramatisation that was made. Um, I'm going to say 20 years ago, but we still um, we actually um, don't we we run it from time to time on on the on the television. But um, due to rights issues, we don't always you know have to have the the rights to sort of keep it up all, all the time. But um, I think we get at least a hundred emails a year about when's the next run of my place coming up. <laughs> um, um, so that's, um, it's, a, it's a show around Australian history. Uh, Mini Beast Heroes, I'm gonna put a big special shout out for that for our education programs, because that was really innovative at the time. Um, and that was um, looking at um, the world of insects and the importance that these small but mighty um, heroes play in the space. And of course, I'm going to say play school because who? How can you say you know about, um, about ABC education and play school? Um, and I always do this as a litmus test for people: which is your favourite window? Uh, the,
0: circle. the circle. The arch, Matt.
1: Oh, the it's arch. arch all the way. Sorry, Luke. No, no absolutely. Who's, who's, who's it's not too the arch. That was <laughs> simple. <laughs> We always, we always joke about
2: um, all of us. So I'm
1: like, like, who's not ever choosing the arch? But, um, you know.
2: <laughs> Luke. Luke's not Apparently choosing the that. arch. <laughs> Luke, no, no, no. There, there are
0: lots
1: of people.
0: I, I, like, I like one edge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah they're, they're sort of not, not in any order because you, you, you said, yeah, you can, it's sort of like choosing your favourite children, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You can't. You can have a favourite child. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And uh, just to round that out, a terrific two. Uh, one blog or person that you think's worth following on social media. Um. So on social
1: media. Um... So, one, I'm not really on Facebook and I've actually deactivated my LinkedIn. (laughs) But um, on Twitter, um, I I would recommend um, Indigenous X. I think they have, like, um, they have a rotating sort of host of Indigenous X and they always have really contemporary and up-to-date links to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and First Nations stories. Um, And that's just, to me, like an essential, like, you know, to to keep up to date um, with with that content. I think that's a really super-duper account to to follow.
0: Uh, One person you'd like to hear us interview on a podcast like Ed Leaders?
1: Yeah. um, So I would like to hear um, my colleague, Dr Tanya Notley. Um, She is one of the best researchers in Australia on media literacy and she's done so much work in the space, especially with schools um, now moving into adults as well. But she is, like, I mean, I think she has, she's got so much expertise that I think um, educators would be um, interested in listening to and um, about the programs around media literacy, not only in Australia, but around the world and um, what works and what doesn't work. Um, in an education sense,
0: and just because I love to break the rules on this segment, one book worth reading.
1: Oh, oh um, So my, um, I can't recommend this book enough. It's, it's. Um, it does, uh, this is not related to education. It's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of a history book. It's called Empire of Pain, and it's about um, the Sackler family, who were head of Purdue Pharma, and they basically it talks about um, the sort of um, opioid crisis in North America. And it's um, it was written by a journalist, the name just escapes me at the moment, um, but so thoroughly researched and just a really amazing sort of narrative that connects that all together and just sort of fascinating about that particular family. And I guess um, the devastation that sort of occurred
0: uh, well, that brings an end to our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed our little chat with uh, Annabelle. Matt, any closing comments?
2: I just think uh, probably three comments from me. Um, I love that notion beyond an app um, that we are about immersive, um, you know, experiences, interactive experiences in the digital space and that we need to, to move uh, more in that direction. I love that notion that during COVID, you know, what, what the ABC was producing was by teachers um, you know, uh, for students. Um, and for me, that that's really powerful. And I, I guess the third thing was just a, a reminder of not only purpose, but the responsibility of the ABC uh, as our national broadcaster. Um, so real, you know, for, for me, real, um, thrilled to talk to, to Annabelle today and, and just broaden my understanding, but also remind myself, um, you know, the importance of the ABC uh, in educational landscape.
0: Annabelle, anything you'd like to uh, add at the end?
1: Yeah I- I sh- I, this is, um, oh, oh, gosh, I don't know whether it's it's bordering on um, promotion, but um, Monash University Publishing um, has a series called In the National Interest, and um, my boss, David Anderson, has um, written an essay as part of this series um, about the ABC and the importance of the ABC. Um, I should have probably said that was the book that I would recommend, but, um, look, it is a, a short essay, and if people are interested in, you know, what the future of the ABC is looking like and the importance of it to, um, you know, as, as public institution to, for all Australians, I would definitely recommend that. <laughs> but thank uh, you for so me, much. I'm really I really mean, enjoyed
0: it. No, thank you uh, for coming on the show. For me, I guess, uh, to reiterate Matt's point, just the, the purpose of the, the public service broadcasting and how broad a remit that can be um, and the responsibility and how you, seriously you take that, um, you know, in terms of education for you know the wider masses, um, and also for me, I know that this is a, a podcast, but the look of joy on your face talking about your experiences during COVID um, and the and the challenges that presented for you, but the fulfilment that you reflect back on during that 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 point, I think is you know just a, a testament to you and your team, and and congratulations to you for what your team pulled off uh, during that time. So congratulations and well done. Uh, Annabelle, thank you for giving up your time to be on the podcast. Um, and if the audience does want to connect with you, obviously you're not on LinkedIn, uh, but where's the best place if they want to connect uh, with you?
1: Look, you can Google me. You'll you, find enough But um, um, they can connect with me on Twitter. Um or through um, the ABC Education website. You'll be able to see there. So my my Twitter handle is just my name, Annabelle Astbury. There you go.
0: Excellent. Please remember, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, and please don't forget to share the love and tell a few of your colleagues or maybe the person sitting next to you at recess that you listen to this great podcast called Ed Leaders. You can connect with both of us on LinkedIn. Or join our tribe at edleaders.com.au where you'll keep up to date with all the latest of what we're up to. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. Go well.